Section 95 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle Chapter 28, verses 1 to 11 Christ's Resurrection This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10 In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered, and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came, and held him by the feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. The principal subject of these verses is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. It is one of those truths which lie at the very foundation of Christianity, and has therefore received special attention in the four Gospels. All four evangelists describe minutely how our Lord was crucified. All four relate with no less clearness that he rose again. We need not wonder that so much importance is attached to our Lord's resurrection. It is the seal and headstone of the great work of redemption which he came to do. It is the crowning proof that he has paid the debt which he undertook to pay on our behalf, won the battle which he fought to deliver us from hell, and is accepted as our surety and our substitute by our Father in heaven. Had he never come forth from the prison of the grave, how could we ever have been sure that our ransom had been fully paid? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Had he never risen from his conflict with the last enemy, how could we have felt confident that he has overcome death, and him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be unto God, we are not left in doubt. The Lord Jesus really rose again for our justification. True Christians are begotten again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They may boldly say with Paul, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We have reason to be very thankful that this wonderful truth of our religion is so clearly and fully proved. It is a striking circumstance that of all the facts of our Lord's earthly ministry, none are so incontrovertibly established as the fact that he rose again. The wisdom of God, 
who knows the unbelief of human nature, has provided a great cloud of witnesses on the subject. Never was there a fact which the friends of God were so slow to believe as the resurrection of Christ. Never was there a fact which the enemies of God were so anxious to disprove. And yet, in spite of the unbelief of friends and the enmity of foes, the fact was thoroughly established. Its evidences will always appear to a fair and impartial mind unanswerable. It would be impossible to prove anything in the world if we refuse to believe that Jesus rose again. Let us notice in these verses the glory and majesty with which Christ rose from the dead. We are told that there was a great earthquake. We are told that the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door of the sepulchre and sat upon it. We need not suppose that our blessed Lord needed the help of any angel when he came forth from the grave. We need not for a moment doubt that he rose again by his own power. But it pleased God that his resurrection should be accompanied and followed by signs and wonders. It seemed good that the earth should shake, and a glorious angel appear, when the Son of God arose from the dead as a conqueror. Let us not fail to see, in the manner of our Lord's resurrection, a type and pledge of the resurrection of his believing people. The grave could not hold him beyond the appointed time, and it shall not be able to hold them. A glorious angel was a witness of his rising, and glorious angels shall be the messengers who shall gather believers when they rise again. He rose with a renewed body, and yet a body, real, true, and material, and so also shall his people have a glorious body, and be like their head. When we see him, we shall be like him. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 Let us take comfort in this thought. Trial, sorrow, and persecution are often the portion of God's people. Sickness, weakness, and pain often hurt and wear their poor earthly tabernacle. But their good time is yet to come. Let them wait patiently, and they shall have a glorious resurrection. When we die, and where we are buried, and what kind of funeral we have, matters little. The great question to be asked is this, how shall we rise again? Let us notice in the next place the terror which Christ's enemies felt at the period of his resurrection. We are told that at the sight of the angel the keepers did shake and become as dead men. Those hardy Roman soldiers, though not unused to dreadful sights, saw a sight which made them quail. Their courage melted at once at the appearance of the angel of God. Let us again see in this fact a type and emblem of things yet to come. What will the ungodly and the wicked do at the last day, when the trumpet shall sound, and Christ shall come in glory to judge the world? What will they do when they see all the dead, both small and great, coming forth from their graves, and all the angels of God assembled round the great white throne. What fears and terrors will possess their souls when they find they can no longer avoid God's presence and must at length meet him face to face? Oh, that men were wise and would consider their latter end! Oh, that they would remember that there is a resurrection and a judgment, and that there is such a thing as the wrath of the Lamb!
Let us notice in the next place the words of comfort which the angel addressed to the friends of Christ. We read that he said, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus that was crucified. These words were spoken with a deep meaning. They were meant to cheer the hearts of believers in every age in the prospect of the resurrection. They were intended to remind us that true Christians have no cause for alarm, whatever may come on the world. The Lord shall appear in the clouds of heaven, and the earth be burned up. The graves shall give up the dead that are in them, and the last day come. The judgment shall be set, and the books shall be opened. The angels shall sift the wheat from the chaff, and divide between the good fish and the bad. But in all this there is nothing that need make believers afraid. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ, they shall be found without spot and blameless. Safe in the one true ark, they shall not be hurt when the flood of God's wrath breaks on the earth. Then shall the words of the Lord receive their complete fulfillment. When these things begin to come to pass, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Then shall the wicked and the unbelieving see how true was that word, Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 33, verse 12. Let us notice, finally, the gracious message which the Lord sent to the disciples after his resurrection. He appeared in person to the women who had come to do honor to his body. Last at the cross and first at the tomb, they were the first privileged to see him after he rose, and to them he gives commission to carry tidings to his disciples. His first thought is for his little scattered flock. Go, tell my brethren. There is something deeply touching in those simple words, my brethren. They deserve a thousand thoughts. Weak, frail, erring as the disciples were, Jesus still calls them his brethren. He comforts them, as Joseph did his brethren who had sold him, saying, I am your brother Joseph. Much as they had come short of their profession, sadly as they had yielded to the fear of man, they are still his brethren. Glorious as he was in himself, conqueror over death and hell and the grave, the Son of God is still meek and lowly of heart. He calls his disciples brethren. Let us turn from the passage with comfortable thoughts, if we know anything of true religion. Let us see in these words of Christ an encouragement to trust and not be afraid. Our Savior is one who never forgets his people. He pities their infirmities. He does not despise them. He knows their weakness, and yet does not cast them away. Our great high priest is also our elder brother. End of section 95